0: The Koikeg part.
1: I then had to fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 week scan. It's mad to think of, really. It seems
0: kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball daily. Welcome along to Tuesday's Off the Boat. We've got a really good show planned between now and 10. Not to take away from Richie's thunder on the news round, but Ben Healy is part of the Scotland squad for the Six Nations. Tom English is going to be with us uh, to chat about where the Munster Man may see game time over the next six weeks or so. Uh, We'll also be looking back at what was a cracking day at the Australian Open in the searing heat in Melbourne. Andy Murray with his metal hip, coming through after a five-set, five-hour thriller against Berrettini to qualify for the second round. And could headgear potentially reduce or prevent brain injuries? We'll be talking to Dr. Phil O'Halloran, who is an independent matchday doctor for English rugby and in the Champions Cup, as well as being a neurosurgeon. And he's going to join us to talk about a new two-year study on Irish players a little bit later on in the programme. Delighted to say that Mick is here with me. How you get on, Mick? Delighted to be deli- that you're delighted. Delighted to be delighted. Yeah. I'm delighted hmm. that you're delighted. I'm here. Hmm. We've got Richie McCormick with as well. How you get on, Rich? Equally delighted, William. Ah, look at this. Everyone's been far too nice. We'll see if we're as nice at half past seven.
1: Yeah, let's give it a bit of time.
0: Um we are going to be talking about this headgear situation in Rugby a little bit later on, Mick. Yeah. It's um Something that comes with that caveat that there's always been the discussion around scrum caps, particularly the old style ones, and whether they had any effect on potentially lessening brain injury. Yeah. And now these Which new they r- don't. Which don't well. they clearly like, don't. That's,
1: a, that's, a, that's, a, that's accepted now. But I think in the past the concern with them was that maybe there's a false sense of safety or mm-hmm. you know, I think we're probably past that now that they're just for abrasions and maybe avoiding cauliflower ears and Everything like that. But, you know, obviously it's still a, uh, worth them wearing them. But, yeah, there was definitely a concern in the past that they were
0: like, do people think they're more protected when they're absolutely not? Well, we're going to be talking to Dr. Philip O'Halloran, not necessarily about the old style scrum cap, but mm. about the new N-Pro headgear, which has been approved by World Rugby on a trial basis. So right. the RFU have commissioned a study which they're supporting at the moment over the next two years. They're going to be taking a look at 200 players from the age of 16 upward, male and female and they're going to see if some of the claims have been made because when Empro they're actually on the market currently and they're claiming that it reduces the potential for brain injury by 75% and now it's going to be independently, clinically assessed to see if those claims actually stack up.
1: Yeah, very interesting because it's possibly a game changer if that does prove to be the case. Like, there's a natural scepticism that I think is quite healthy Mm -hmm. about something like this. So obviously you want this to be as big a study as possible and it'll be interesting to see what the parameters are and how they will be actually able to judge uh, from monitoring those 200 participants as to how much brain injury will be decreased or how much uh, instances of brain injury will be decreased.
0: Yeah because naturally I think we're all very cynical when that's a claim that comes from a manufacturer. Yeah I think it's healthy to be
1: cynical about that because there has been you know you're just worried that whenever you go down the road of Suggesting that there is a cure is the wrong word, but that there is a, I suppose, an alter like something out there that's a magic wand to stop what we know is a very dangerous part of the game, and everything about the laws of the game and everything about the you know the refereeing and everything like that is to try and decrease that danger, that when suddenly if there's a magic wand comes into play, does all of that get cast aside? and can that lead to further... De- you know what I mean? It's it's all about unintended consequences and so on. So while I'm in no way saying this isn't a good thing, I'm just I I'm eager to hear this interview, to hear more about it and where we go, and then also to see what
0: the study ends up showing. Yeah, intriguing to see what happens. Uh, Molly McElwee will be with us in around about an hour's time to look back in today's play at the Australian Open. Contrasting day for Novak Djokovic. Dropped just seven games across his match, easing through. Andy Murray had to come through a bit of a battle. Richie, I know you're a, a keen fan of Grand Slam tennis. Did you watch a bit of Murray this morning?
2: Yeah, it's hard not to get wrapped up um, when the Andy Murray train gets rolling because I, between the, the 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 weather conditions that they had there in Melbourne overnight and everything else, I fully presumed this to be done and dusted by the time I got up this morning. And of course, it's heading to a fifth set just as I'm doing the school run. So, you know, you kind of look at it and go, it's Andy Murray. Of course, it's going to a fifth set. Yeah. Um. But just like he mentions it later on. And well, I'm sure we'll get to it in the audio. But just how proud he is to be there. Like he he's on the brink of retirement. Like and, the, and and Matteo Berrettini is widely regarded, um, a, a, an injury and and form hit year aside, as one of those next generation stars, one of the ones who could possibly take the place of your Nadals, Federers, and Djokovic's. And he beat him in five today, and you don't beat somebody in five, albeit with a final set tie break, without having an immense amount of ability still in the locker and Andy Murray still has that. The worry for him is, is that he can't put these matches together back to back because mm. I just don't think he complained about certainly Wimbledon. I don't think his body can hold up to do in back-to-back five setters or even, you know, two matches in quick succession. The hope is now that he gets some rest and goes off into round two. He has a bit of a question mark over who he's going to face in, in the second round, but it's just brilliant to see somebody who's, like by all accounts, one of the good guys and it's great to see one of the good guys prevail Um, to be so close to retirement a couple of years ago that they had that retirement video for him. You'll remember in Melbourne, was it four years ago now at this stage, when he was essentially like everyone saying goodbye. Yeah, and there he is there beating Matteo Berrettini uh, and wow. now... Kind of opening up that section of the draw too. It's it's fantastic. Uh,
1: we were t- mentioned more. I mentioned Murray in passing on Sly Tangent last week uh, when we were talking about uh, the Bester greatest generation. of all times. And yep. we were talking about how long Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer dominated Wimbledon as twenty years with Murray thrown in there. And, you know, I even said Big Four, but I got a bit of stick for kind of saying that Murray wasn't on their level, but lived with them for a while. And in fairness, we didn't really go into it didn't explain myself, but like what I was thinking when I was getting that stick was like, I really meant that as a compliment to Andy Murray because he did live with them and he was on their level for maybe not as long as the three of those guys dominated. But for those four, five, six years, he was on and he was competing and he was winning Grand Slams. And that's, it's funny what he did this morning, I think. Is a perfect illustration of what made him such a good player. There's loads of talent there, absolutely. He was a very, very good athlete and a good tennis player, but it's grit and determination and just the, the, the overall desire and like match play as well, you know, like just a kind of a, an ability to scrape out a win when it isn't there, you know. Like, like he is such an admirable player, I find. It. It's like he'd be one of your favourites like to watch. I was delighted from this morning.
0: I don't think by the way that that's in any way an insult to Andy Murray like No it wasn't like,
1: an insult it was actually yeah. that's what I mean it was actually a compliment that was just perceived as in, in all fairness it was just a gloss oh, over point so there was yeah. no
0: there was no chance to explain myself because you remember three guys who were going to retire in the 20 grand slam range yeah. who knows Djokovic Nadal could add to that total over the next years now Roger Federer is retired um, at the same time he's probably not going to end up in that territory but he's still very much talked about as being one of the big four yeah. from that 20 year era and Richie you mentioned as well 2019 like it was quite remarkable they had that video put together obviously the organisers thought that day on Rod Laver that that was going to be Andy Murray's last yeah. time to play they put it on social media I think before the match was even over it was all played out Murray leaves in tears almost like a guy who had to attend his own funeral and then (laughs) after that he's just had to kind of battle away with injuries to be able to even play at these tournaments whatever will prosper Yeah I I think the um, the fact
2: that he's gotten back to this level at all is worth commendation in and of itself because you're talking about somebody who's had that hip uh, operation Uh, to get to any kind of level of sport following something like that is incredible in and of itself to be battling at, at Grand Slams albeit he can pick and choose his own schedule now at his age and he can be careful about where and, and who he plays but to be operating at that level following the physical exertion that his body has been through over the course of the last decade is is remarkable and he deserves every bit of praise for it. Um, and that determination that Mick mentioned there is like, that you don't win Anthem without that and you don't win a couple of Australia, a couple of Wimbledon's and a US Open without having that level of determination and hanging with those other three for as long as he did is brilliant. Like, and and he deserves every bit of pr- uh, credit and praise that'll come his way over the course of the next three, four years, whenever it is, he actually does hang up his racket.
0: Mick, I know you want to discuss as well the... Spurs fan who has now been charged as of this evening after the Derby at the weekend because Shea Given was on AM this morning was watching OTBM after yeah. the Andy Murray match and he's making the point that he's been there he's been at Derbys he's taken quite a bit of flack over the years from Sunderland supporters Manchester United supporters Rangers supporters when he was playing for clubs and he said sometimes you feel as a goalkeeper that you're going to do a bit of an Emmy Martinez and maybe try and wind them up a little bit like Ramsdale did at the weekend but he says it's actually a scary thing for a goalkeeper that a fan was able to get that close to injuring Ramsdale at the weekend yeah, I suppose you're a bit on your own there, aren't you? Like, you know, and it's like,
1: I remember, do you remember, was there a Celtic fan who got onto the pitch against AC Dita. Milan and gave Dita a little, and it was only a playful thing, but for this, you could see the fear in Dita's eyes before he realised that there was nothing to it, you know? It's like, that is a scary thing. Yeah, I, I, you say I want to discuss, I don't want to discuss, like, in some ways, because what a clown, and he's been charged, and rightly so, but it was just a. Uh, The uh, footage that, I don't know when it came out, but I only saw it this morning, of somebody in that end. Mobile phone. Mobile phone phone, where you see this guy coming back, and it was obviously to identify him, but when you actually see where Ramsdale is, and he moves at the exact second that your man, by coincidence, he moves at the exact seconds that your man throws, what it can only be described as a punt, you know, and where would he have connected with him? Right in the back of his head. Like, it was I think when you saw it originally on Sky and the way they showed it, you're like, "Oh, what a clown!" And you see it from there, it's like that was incredibly dangerous, and it just took on a bit more of a serious note in my head, I suppose. When you see it, like I immediately thought, "What an idiot!" Like, you know, it wasn't as if it wasn't serious initially, but seeing it from that angle, I was just thought, "Like,
0: I hadn't realized." Am Ramsay
1: was very, very lucky not to be incredibly seriously injured, and I can understand. Why, when the rest of Arsenal wanted to run up to the corner and celebrate, that he was just—you could say that, you could see that he was kind of almost out of his mind when Arteta was putting the arm around him and said, "Don't mind it, don't mind it." You could see that he kind of like he wasn't able to let it go, and completely understand
0: why. Like. Yeah, understandably frazzled. The news round, of course, is brought to you uh, with thanks to Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Rich, where are we starting the news round with. Uh, We'll start with Scotland. Ben Healy has been included
2: in their squad for the Six Nations. The Munster at half qualifies for Scotland via his mother's side of his family and he's due to move to Edinburgh, of course, at the end of this season. Healy is one of four uncapped players named by Gregor Townsend for the Six Nations, another being former England winger Rory McConaughey. Hamish Watson and Xander Fagerson are included in their 40-man squad despite injury concerns, but Darcy Graham, Scott Cummings, Rory Darge and Adam Hastings all miss out through injury. Townsend says Healy will bring something different to the Scotland set.
3: Well he brings recent form which which is great, Uh, so having experience, um, playing at a high level uh, is important, having ability uh, and we feel he's got test match ability, his kicking game is strong, he's confident, uh, he leads the attack well when he gets the opportunity to do that Munster. He's very connected in how he plays around attack shape and the decisions he makes, where space is, the right options. But really, it's the last two weeks um, prior to the weekend's game. Coming off the bench against Ulster, he made a winning difference. The following week, he played 80 minutes in terrible conditions. Against the Lions, played really well. So, yeah, it's it's timely that, that form has, has came a time where he's also committed to us. Uh, and with the opportunity with, with Adam Hastings being injured, he now gets a chance to, to train with us, for us to see him um, integrate with our group and see how close he is to being in that squad for Twickenham.
0: Mick, that would imply to me, like Gregor Townsend's been watching him for quite a while.
1: Yeah, well, that's what was implied, I suppose, when, when the move was made, you know what I mean? I don't think Edinburgh would be signing him unless this was a a bit of a long-term plan. It's interesting that he's put him straight in. Uh I suppose they have to assess what they have before the World Cup. Kinda of happy for him. I think it's gonna lead a, like it's like we're talking about Eddie Jones last night, it's gonna add a lot of interest to Australia. I think having Ben Healy involved is gonna add a lot of interest to Scotland. It's gonna be strange, isn't it? Like this is a guy I remember watching. You know, I was there when Ireland won the um twenties the 20s Grand Slam you know at the England match anyway in Cork I don't think that was actually the Grand Slam game but Healy and Harry Byrne were battling out and it was like this is the future of Irish out halves and he's going to be playing for Scotland like in two weeks <laughs> you know possibly it's uh, it's still just such a strange strange thing but look it's probably the best for all parties
0: yeah well look with Adam Hastings injury there's a very good chance he's on the bench for the first couple of games yeah. uh, we'll see how Hastings recovery goes but he's got the potential here to impress and The thing is, Richie, if the World Cup is the longer term aim and Ben Healy wants to be in that final squad for the World Cup, this window now provides an opportunity. It's a perfect shop window for him to potentially impress before Hastings is back.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And uh, it kind of puts a case forward for searching far and wide for for players. I mean, you look at the Rory McConachie thing as well. He's what four years in the wilderness with England, and um, just three caps to his name, they bring him in as well because he qualifies through familial situations. You can't blame Scotland for being a bit more canny about how they've gone about recruitment and trying to build their depth ahead of the World Cup because, like, we talk about that World Cup pool in terms of. Whether we finish first or second, and whether or not finishing second is probably going to be better than finishing first, based on who we're going to uh, possibly come up against in the quarterfinals. For Scotland, like they want to actually compete and and battle us for that second position, getting out of the group. And in their heads, you know, based on form of maybe a year or so ago, they would be in contention to do that. But you always kind of felt with as soon as the injury started to bite, third fourth week into a Six Nations, they would drift away. This is something they're, I guess, trying to counteract against that uh, with the injuries they already do have uh, to try and, like like you say, the World Cup has got to be their aim. Um, There's a couple of coaches saying, no, no, this isn't a free shot with the Six Nations and we're kind of focusing on that first and foremost. Scotland, you would imagine, are focusing on the World Cup and trying to take down Ireland and the Springboks in that pool.
0: Yeah,
1: I think you're right, actually, because like. There's another thing about that. About, sorry, we're right about them searching far and wide, but there's another thing about that. It's like Ben Healy was qualified for Scotland the day he was born, you know? And yeah. I think there was an article in the London Times there um, a few days ago, basically, this is kind of like blaming Scotland almost for having two more naturalised players than anybody else in the Six Nations. I think they said shamelessly Scotland have a certain number or whatever you know what I mean I think that I think that tone is just it is just slightly off Bro, you know yeah, this was the yeah. same article by the way that listed Luke man as, yeah. as non-Irish because they were born outside the country despite growing up here you know like so you know you have to be wary about what you read sometimes as well um, but yeah this is like I just think that it's I just don't think that tone works if this is Ben Healy's decision in the same way as it is in any other international sport if you have an issue with the residency rule that is a different thing This isn't that. You know what I mean? Ben Healy is fully entitled to play for Scotland.
0: Yeah, I read the article at the weekend. You would have been talking about the Catalan, Jordy Murphy, the Israeli, Jamie Heaslip, the Canadian, Luke McGrath. So it was very much a stretch in uh, the way that they were defining players. Uh, Liverpool looking to bounce back. We talk about injuries, Richie. Around a dozen players missing for Liverpool at the moment and on the back of a very poor defeat against Brighton at the weekend. Yeah,
2: Liverpool away to Wolves tonight. It's one of five FA Cup third-round replays that survived the weather. Rather different-looking Liverpool than the one that lined out at the weekend. Cuevin Kelleher uh, starts in goal. The likes of Costa Simica, Stefan Bajicic, uh, Naby Keita, Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho are all starting tonight. Mo Salah, Fabinho, Alisson uh, and Andy Robertson among those on the bench. Joe Matip too. Uh, Diego Costa is back fit for Wolves. He's good enough for a place on the bench for them. Joe Hodge continues in their midfield. Kickoff there is at 745 Freezing temperatures though forced the postponement of Accrington Stanley's meeting with Boreham Wood. Elsewhere, ex-Sligo boss Paul Cook leads National League side Chesterfield to the Hawthorns to play West Brom. Dara O'Shea and Jason Malumby on the Baggies bench. Forest Green take on Birmingham City tonight. Bristol City face Swansea City. No Michael Abafemi again for them and Wigan are at home to Luton. Both James McLean and Will Keane
0: are on the bench for Wigan there. Mm. Third round FA Cup was important for Irish players Maybe replay night might be important too
1: Yeah, yeah. I never thought we'd get an Akron and Stanley versus Borum Wood update on off the ball But Richie goes He goes deep in the middle round Just yeah. uh, the Chelsea Liverpool are playing that team yeah. Like that's their second, third round League Cup team You know, it's like Which is, you know, it could get the job done easily But they didn't do that for the first game When Wolves did You mm. know, and I know it's probably just it, It's a game too many But, you know I feel like the FA Cup should have almost got more important for them since since that game, given what's happened in the league.
0: But yeah, potentially, if they go out, especially, you're thinking they've used their first-team players at Anfield in the previous round and now had to rest and potentially get knocked out by Wolves. Yeah, absolutely, they go through? yeah the narrative isn't completely
1: different oh it's completely different and then the players are rested for the weekend and so on Yeah, so mm. maybe uh, they just need a freshen up as well like I mean
0: there's there's, a, there's an argument to say this isn't the second team yeah uh, Mark Lawrenson by the way you can probably uh, pick this up if you want in the football feed on our podcast he was talking this morning and said that really Jurgen Klopp had to stick with a fairly strong team he felt for the game this evening uh, because it was a risk of throwing the young players in the poor results continue and then you ruin things for the young players who are trying to get into the side uh, Manchester United Liverpool are both trying to sell at the moment their owners uh, Richard and potentially Manchester United have a buyer now. Yeah, well, certainly they've got the most um,
2: press-savvy one uh, in contention. Ineos have formally entered the running to buy Manchester United. The petrochemicals company is owned by one of the UK's richest men in Jim Ratcliffe. Ineos already own French club Nice and Lausanne Sport in Switzerland. And, of course, the cycling team Ineos Grenadiers. United's current owners, the Glazer family, are hoping to raise nearly €6 million
0: from the sale of the club. This is Jim Radcliffe, who not that long ago, Mick, was looking at Chelsea before Todd Bowley stepped in. He obviously has got, as Richie mentioned, a lot of assets in sport already. He claims he's a Manchester United fan as well. Claims, yeah. You he don't believe he him?
1: he says he is. No, I think he probably is, yeah. I look, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to know about these things. It's just like literally reading um some old articles on how he got his money and what he campaigns for and it's it's all not great, but I mean it's not going to be for almost anyone who buys a club of this size, that's just sort of I, obvious I the way it is. I would suggest
0: if a Manchester United fan sees Old Trafford getting a refurb, they won't care about fracking.
1: Well, I was going to say, and fine, yeah, they won't care about fracking and yeah, campaigning to have more fracking. But look, I mean, absolutely. I think that there is going to be, I think United fans will be delighted with this outcome if it happens. And that seems to have been the case for months now. Um, that this seems to be, that Jim Ratcliffe seems to be the name that everybody wants, and that's the that that that's um, when you know when fans talk about it, it seems to be Ratcliffe's name that comes up as the saviour. So we'll see. I mean, there's issues with everybody, but um, yeah, I mean, until it happens, until we dig more into it, we won't know. But. I think United fans certainly will be happy with this news today.
0: Rich, when it comes to these reports too, they're talking about potentially the Glazers looking for a buyer within the next two months Mm. or so. This seems to be heavily uh, dictated upon by Liverpool trying to sell at the same time as well.
2: Yeah, there was apparently a story that went side by side with this. Goldman Sachs are looking after the sale of Liverpool or indeed the searching for fresh investment as the uh, owners put it uh, recently. Um, Apparently, they put the idea of investing... In Liverpool to Ratcliffe who decided no I I only have eyes for Manchester United but as I alluded to there like United fans need to be careful what they wish for and it isn't even the ancillary stuff to to Ratcliffe's business practices or whatever it's more so that he is the most media savvy of the people who will probably be in the running to buy the club and they need to be careful that they don't mistake being media present and being up for an interview as being somebody who is able and willing to take on a Premier League club of that size and stature and deliver them back to where they probably think they need to be and they're two very different things and it's probably in a a more giant um, scale it's similar to what Michael Knighton tried to do in 89 when he was all over the press and was very keen to give interviews and turned out he didn't have the wherewithal to take over the club Ratcliffe clearly does from a financial aspect but whether he has the the knowledge and the know-how to deliver things to manchester united you look at nice like big things were promised for nice they haven't they got to the championship but they haven't necessarily made that massive kick on that a lot of people would have presumed they would have done um in france so i'd say united just need to be careful about who they're looking at uh, and don't mistake media
1: interviews ability uh, so one thing you said that jarred richie was that the glazers are looking for six million I think it might be a a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just uh, I got I got actually a fright there. I was like, hold on, can we get a consortium together to buy matches? know?
0: <laughs> might be able to find <laughs> it Down the back of the couch uh, potentially. Text coming in from Phil On five three one zero six about Andy I a Murray. Cold. <laughs> yeah, Andy Murray <laughs> played in eleven Grand Slam finals between two thousand and eight and twenty sixteen. He's won the select few to play in all four Grand Slam finals, but for injury, probably would have competed in and won more than that too. So he's a bit more than a support act for the other three. Now, Bundy has been missing a bit for Connacht uh, recently, Richie, and there's plenty of speculation about his future because his contract runs out at the sports ground at the end of this year. But it looks like the IRFU and Connacht are going to extend that stay.
2: Well, or so we thought. Uh, Connacht head coach Pete Wilkins insists Bundy still has a future with the province. The Ireland centre has been left out of recent Connacht sides based on form, but Aki's contract is due to run through to the end of next season despite concerns he could leave at the end of the current campaign. Meanwhile, Qualen Blade has signed a new three-year extension with Connacht. The scrum half is going to remain at the sports ground until the summer of 2026. Blade's new contract follows a two-year
0: deal signed yesterday by John Porch. What do you reckon, Mick? Bundy 32, yeah. World Cup at the end of this current year. So he signed up until beyond the World Cup till the end of next season with Connacht. But obviously, that contract is now running down. He'll be 33 if he's to put pen to paper on a new deal. Do Connacht and the RFU offer him a new deal? Uh, I don't know. You would doubt that it would be centrally contracted anyway. Is it? Plenty of good centres at the moment. The Irish system, that is.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, I have to say. That... Um that he'd be on his way out you feel like there's tenure there almost you know what I mean but it could it could work out I would think they would offer a new deal but will it be up to what he can earn by going for a year to um you know to to England or to France or, or whatever it is who, who knows there was a sense when uh, Bundyaki signed his last contract that this was kind of him committing his international future anyway like, obviously his international future but his his international window you know that he would stay with Ireland and I think beyond that nobody really thought past the world cup or you know past that following season
0: so in so many of the deals it, 2023 became key that they were contracted till the end of the
1: year yeah world cup. it almost you know what i mean in some ways you know i feel like this this can be a He's definitely not going to be as key back then, which make, uh, by the time his contract runs out, which means that this becomes less of a pressing matter for everybody involved, I would say. Rich, Although that might not be the case, given he's not playing too much at the moment. So who knows what's
0: going on there. We spoke with Andy Murray a bit already, Rich. What happened elsewhere in Melbourne today?
2: Uh, Novak Djokovic marked his return to the Australian Open with a straight-sets victory over Roberto carbaez Baena today. The nine-time champion, though, says he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Djokovic must wait to discover his second-round opponent with extreme heat and heavy rain, delaying play on the outside courts for three hours today, and plenty of matches will need to resume overnight. Andy Murray, as we mentioned, beat 13th seed Matteo Berrettini in a fifth-set tiebreak. Second seed Kasper Ruud, fifth seed Andrei Roblev, eighth seed Taylor Fritz, and the 12th seed, Alexander Zverev, all moved into round two today. Women's second seed, Anz Jabor, wasn't given an easy ride, having to come from a set down to beat Tamara Zidansek. There were also straight sets wins for the fourth seed, Caroline Garcia, fifth seed, Aryna Sabalenka, and Elise Mertens, who beat Garbinia Magurtha in three sets. Meanwhile, Camilla Georgi has denied allegations she obtained a false COVID-19 vaccine certificate to allow her to travel to Australia. The Australian's name was listed among the clients of Daniela Grione, a doctor who was charged in Italy with providing false doctors Documentation and also false vaccines. Georgie breezed into round two today, dropping just one game in her
0: match with Anastasia Pavliachenkova. There was us thinking that COVID 19, Australian Open, we'd forgot talking about them together. Swindon Town as well, Richie. This is potentially another member of Stephen Kenny's backroom team leaving, possibly. Yes, yeah, and have made a formal approach
2: to the FAI to speak with Stephen Rice, the Republic of Ireland's chief scout and opposition analyst, is in the frame to replace Scott Lindsay at the English League Two side. Rice's departure would mark another significant blow even to the Ireland boss Stephen Kenny, who will start their Euro 2024 qualifying
0: campaign in just two months time. Far from ideal, Mick, because every time the Stephen Kenny has been asked about Anthony Barry not being replaced, he pointed to the fact that Stephen Rice has been so crucial within the Spectrum team and that his work went beyond just the sheer scouting of the Euro teams, that he'd become a very important coach in the setup and almost like having another assistant coach mm. involved as part of the setup, too. Like To lose him, what would be pretty much right before an important European Championship qualifying campaign, it's horrific timing as well.
1: Yeah, Stephen Kenny may, maybe needs to start hiding these people. So it's like you know, put put a put a figurehead out there, <laughs> Will O'Callaghan as the assistant manager and coach of the team or whatever, and then hope Swindon come in and swipe you away. I'm open to offers Portugal.
0: I, I will work with Roberto Martinez uh, for the next four years, cycle if you need. Yeah,
1: God, it isn't ideal though if that is the, if if that is the case, and it's like Ireland lose another coach, and that every time the players come into camp, there's somebody new, kind of like giving the ideas. You know what I mean? So like. Yeah, not not great if it does happen. But at the same time, do you hold people like that back? Do you do you wish Stephen Rice doesn't go and fulfills that part of his career so he can stay as a scout for FAI? Of course not. Like you mean it's the right move for him if he gets the job. Fair play to him. And this is what you know. This is like what uh, regimes, for want of a better word, have to put up with. And it's just that's part of being a manager. You know, like if you look at the NFL and the way they do things, it's like right now while the playoffs are on. Like there's coordinator, offensive and defensive coordinators off interviewing for head coaching jobs. It's just the done thing. There's no sense of you're gonna stay here and wait for the big
0: job to become available. Know, people it's leave for different thing. reasons. It'd be more worrying if they were leaving because they weren't happy about the setup. Oh, with of course, of, yeah, well, that's i the same. And with Anthony Barry they both left for jobs. They both guess, both,
1: right? both go for better jobs. Yeah. So this is just a, this is just the way it works. Like, so it'd be a good opportunity for him for sure.
0: Hmm. Mick, thanks so many for joining us. Richie as well.